just enjoy what you're studying, do what feels right, go out when you want to, stay in when you need to, and you're going to have an amazing time. Hello, hello everybody. Happy Wednesday and welcome back to the My 20-somethings podcast. We hope you're having an enjoyable week and are taking some time to rest and rejuvenate. For those of you who are new here, we're Jenna and Sophie. We are two 20-something best friends who started this podcast to create a community of those just figuring this all out. Every other week we bring you advice, guest mentors, and personal anecdotes so you never have to say, I wish I knew that in my 20s. If you don't know, Sophie and I are preparing to enter our last semester of our final year of undergrad in college. It feels like just yesterday that we were wee little freshmen entering a lecture hall for the very first time. And despite the experiences absolutely flying by, we have learned a lot about ourselves through college and owe much of our personal self-growth and transformations to our amazing four years in school. Since college was so transformative for us, we thought this would be the perfect time to share with you what we wish we knew before going to post-secondary education. This episode will be our tips and tricks for all things college and even some insider information on the hacks your professors and fellow peers don't want you to know. Whether you're already in college, about to start, or have it looming a few years away, this episode is for you. It's never the wrong time or too early to learn about what college is like and how to make it the best years of your life. Okay, no more stalling. I can't handle it. Let's hop into this episode. All right, without further ado, class is in session. Okay, so we have compiled a master list of all the things we could think about for things we wish we knew, things we're glad we know now, and things we think you could benefit from knowing before or during your experience in college. Yeah, so let's start like right from the beginning. Um, let's talk about admissions and selections. I think that this is arguably one of the scariest parts of your like university career is literally just getting in. I was gonna say, it's so unnecessarily complicated and so unnecessarily stressful, so any tips I think would be so beneficial for people to know to make it even just this a smidge easier. Yeah, and I'd also like to say before we get into any of this, schools will publish like accepted averages and, and like the previous year's average. A lot of that is a marketing tool and it shouldn't deter you from at least applying to programs that you want to get into because I made this mistake and very quickly found out the people with much lower averages than me got into programs I wanted to go to and I was like shoot I should have just went for it. On that exact same note the first what we wish we knew point is that declined applications are much more common than you think. So many people will often not tell you if they didn't get in anywhere or will, you know, not want to disclose exactly how many places they even enrolled to in the first place or they even applied to in the first place out of fear of looking like they weren't good enough to get in somewhere. So I say good for you for just putting yourself out there and taking the risk and getting a no is way better than not even trying and never knowing what it could be. You'll always regret it. You'll always regret not even applying because people ask you and I was really surprised that people are still asking me what schools and programs I applied to back in high school. I'm like, why does that matter anymore? And you'll, it, it does come back to you. And I think there's always, if you don't apply to a program that you had your heart set on, or you always kind of were interested in, you'll always wonder what if I did get in, or even if you didn't get in, at least you like went and put yourself out there and you were ambitious and advocated for yourself in that way. Can we just like all agree as a community right now that we're just going to stop lying about who yeah. got in where, who applied when, 
and just be honest with one another. And I think it takes so much confidence, but it's also so commendable when someone can say, yeah, I applied and you know what? It wasn't the right choice for me. It wasn't, clearly they didn't want me and I didn't need them. So that's how it was and I'm okay with that because I think having confidence to say, I did it and I took the risk and it didn't pay off is so much better than, you know, just pretending you got in everywhere. Absolutely. Let's just stop. <laughs> Let's, Let's just stop. Not getting into the programs because like, Let's be honest, we all cannot get into Harvard Law School. It's just not going to happen. Not everyone can be a Woods. <laughs> Although we wish we could. Although be. we wish, it's true. Similar to like admissions and selections, um, it's just an, as important for you to choose your program as it is for them to choose you and applying to programs that actually interest you because you're going to be stuck learning about this for four years. And that's a lot longer than you think. All I can say, and I wish someone had told me this before, or I wish at least I would have believed it if someone had told me this before, you, what you study in your undergrad doesn't matter. And I don't mean that like what you study won't be looked at. What I mean is no one is gonna judge you if what you end up doing is different than your undergrad. So many people do that. So all I can suggest is study something you're interested in. Study something that you're gonna be willing to focus on and write papers on for four years. Study something that you know sounds unique or exciting or thrilling to learn about. Don't just study it because you think that's what you might do if you don't even know for sure. Yeah, and again, this is a four or even five year degree. Um, that's what master's programs are for. Mm -hmm. If you choose a degree that's a little bit more general, you can do a master's program and get super, super specific if that's down your alley or you don't even have to. Most of the learning is done on the job, but if you're gonna take four years to get a sheet of paper, I encourage you to take four years to study something that you're actually interested in and that being said like every single program no matter what you're studying there will be a course that you hate like it's it's unavoidable but that's also just a metaphor for life no matter what you're doing there's always going to be things that you don't like to do but if you're choosing a program because your parents want you to do it or you're that's just like what you think you should be doing but it doesn't actually excite you go look into some other schools look into some other programs like half the things i went to university and i'm like what do you study and they told me and i was like that's a program that would have been <laughs> so cool had i known right. about that something i cannot stress enough is that you should not be picking your school just because you know people going there or because your inner circle of friends are going there this is one of your only chances in your young adulthood to completely start fresh and completely reinvent yourself if you choose to or even just to exercise those muscles of making new friends and forming new connections. And if you choose not to take it, it is a missed opportunity. I can guarantee it. Yeah. If you're going somewhere just because your friends are there, you're also just not going to make other friends and expand your network and meet new people and like learn other people's routines. And you're just going to be stuck in the same community, which is great. But those friends for you, if they're meant to be a part of your life, will always be in your life. And it'll be even more special to see them. But schools are very personal. And if you're going to spend, again, four years, five years, six years, seven years in yeah. a place, you want to make sure that it's the right place to you. So that's another big thing for admissions is visit the campuses. Go take the time to visit the campus. Do not just choose a place and never visit it because you have no idea how it'll make you feel. And there are energies around campuses, very different energies. And sometimes that kind of makes the decision for you as well. I know we always say we are not experts in any field whatsoever. And so, you know, we understand if you prefer to listen to our key mentors who can really talk on topics but I truly believe that I am a mentor in this specific topic because yeah. I went to school 
knowing no one else going to my school, knowing no one else in my program. And it was one of the best decisions I've ever made because it really did force me to get out of my comfort zone and to practice, you know, the act of, of making new friends and turning to someone I don't know and saying, hey, I really like your top. And yeah. I don't think I would have, you know, been nearly as confident as I am now if it wasn't for taking that risk. So I recommend it wholeheartedly. And I am the success story you've been looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I was similar. I knew one person, but not in my program. But even this also goes for like family alma maters and like schools that your parents went to just because it was right for them. Like, I think the hardest thing like this happened to my best friend was like her parents met at a certain school and it was like everyone in their family went to that school. I had a school who my entire family went to that school and I felt the pressure to go to and that isn't as important as it feels like it is to like carry on a legacy it does not matter create your own legacy create your own experience and also kind of forget the reputations of schools um they actually don't mean that much so you just submitted to the entire podcast that i'm not your best friend and i'm upset about it and we have video proof of it one of i said one of no you didn't <laughs> See? Cotter. Red-handed. <laughs> you know who it is. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not like you know that it's you and her. Like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, go to number four. Um, number four on admissions and selections is that there's no shame in changing your major. And I actually changed my major. I got into school for like leadership and management. And then I got here and I was like, aha, that's HR. That's a fancy word for HR. I do not want to work in HR. And I switched very quickly into marketing. I actually made the decision to switch into marketing before even my first day of school. Um, so you're able to, once you're in a school, once you get in, it's really easy to change majors for the most part so just because you get in for one program does not mean that you're stuck in that program as long as you have the requirements they're generally super flexible about letting you move over once twice even three times if you need to number five on our list is First of all, oh, say that again. Number five on our list is first of all, taking a year off or a gap year is so, so common and you should feel no shame for doing so. But if you do plan on taking a year off, make sure you're doing something that exercises your mind where you are still learning. So this could be taking courses, traveling, or working. It's just gonna make the transition back to going into a traditional school environment that much easier. I know a lot of people that didn't do this and found the transition to be complex and overwhelming. So if you can just do something to get your brain working every day, even a little bit, you will thank yourself for it. It's interesting. I've heard, I haven't heard of people going on gap years as much as they used to. I think it's part of like our current society that's pushing everyone to be like, so results and future focused mm -hmm. and everything like that but I think that there's a huge advantage to taking a year off and I think a lot of the time people don't because of like parental pressures or wanting to stay with their friends keeping up with the Joneses type of idea and some people don't make it through first year because they weren't ready for the responsibility and you know if you're ready or not so take a break if you need to take a break and go do something else you never know the experiences that you're gonna take also just means that you're a year older than everyone else and there are lots of perks that come with that too.
I was just gonna say, you know if you're not ready. You know it in your heart. You know it's something that you can only fake for so long. And yeah, you can like work your way through it and be miserable doing it. But if your mind and your energy and your work ethic can be better put to a, a different use, it's worth it to do that. And you're getting life skills doing other things. So as long as you are still doing something where you are contributing to the world around you or you are you know, making sure you are thinking critically, it's probably just as, as valuable, if not more. Absolutely. And that's also, Jenna and I did not take years off, but I do see huge, like that's full disclosure, mm -hmm. but I do see full value in it. And I know a lot of people who went into school without taking a year off who regretted it mm -hmm. instantly. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's all I have to say on admissions and selections. What about you, Jenna? I'm good. Good. Let's move on. Let's get into when you're actually in school and you're in the lecture hall because for me, I don't know about anyone else or about Jenna, but I went into university literally having no idea what it was going to be like. Mm -hmm. I was like, lecture hall, that's a fun word. Like, wonder what that's like. And I was like, how do these lecture things work? I went around first day holding binders in, <gasps> in my arms, like high school. And I very quickly realized you don't do that. Also, binders are not necessary. So let's let's give them an insight into this. I guarantee you 90% of the people listening just nodded their head along to that because most people don't know. There is no like class in high school that preps you for what it's going to be like to go no. into university because it is generally, depending on where you go to school, a very different concept. It's a very different model. Um, and a lot of the terms are new. A lot of the expectations are new. So yes, there definitely should be some training beforehand, but also hopefully you just can rest assured knowing that most people don't know what they're doing yeah. and it really is just learning by experimentation and figuring it out as you go along. No one knows what they're doing. Ever. I guarantee everyone on their first day of school has a laptop, an iPad, or like also pen and paper, also like their t entire textbook in their bag. Agenda. Like everything with them in case yeah. of emergency so you are not the only one i feel like it's like a hush hush figure it out as you go type thing mm -hmm. and we don't want that for you so we'll give you the inside scoop right so the first thing we can say about academics that is such a good one because i wish i knew this one earlier this is the one that i really like it grinds my gears mm -hmm. knowing i didn't know this which is that you shouldn't believe everything your peers tell you about how well they're doing in classes you know how they did an assignment, anything like that, and do your best to not compare your performances because most likely they are lying about it. I had no idea people do this, but apparently it is so common for people to look at the C grade they just received and say, oh, I, I got an A on that, and you, which is like mind-blowing to me because I never lied. I thought we, I was just always behind or always you know, not meeting expectations, but really I just didn't get the memo that we're all gonna boost our grades so we can make each other feel better or feel worse. I'm laughing because I remember the day that Jenna figured this out and she called me on the phone. I was, was like, mad. She was like, did you know that people lied about their grades? She was, and she told me the whole story about someone beside her. And I was like, I was like, you didn't know this. Like everyone boosts their grades. Everyone does it. Honestly, everyone's struggling and everyone's pretending like they're not struggling. And I teach dance at my school and I literally will be like, hands up if like this week is kicking you in the ass and you have no idea what's going on. Like everyone's hands go up. Everyone. No one knows what's going on. No one's doing well. But that's the thing. I think people appreciate honesty way more than we know. And so, you know, even if all the people around you are saying, oh, I got an A, oh, I got an A, and they're all, you know, not actually getting A's, they're just telling you that. And you're the one person that says, really? Because I got a C and I'm happy with it because that was hard. 
I am sure they're all going to take a sigh of relief and say, oh, thank God it's not just me, because I don't know who made up this fake rule that we all have to pretend we are all doing amazing all the time. We are not, and the more we can admit to our failures and our struggles, the better we will all feel. Number two is admitting to your peers and your friends when you need help or you're struggling, because chances are that they are also in need of help and are afraid to ask. Because school is really, really difficult and there's a lot going on and it's not like high school where the teachers remind you of your due dates every class. They're like, it's in the course outline. We told you on the first day of school in September, you figure it out. Ball's in your court. And it's that's hard alone, but also just making sure that like you've fed yourself, you've done your laundry, you've cleaned your room. There's a lot of stress and you've taken on a huge amount of responsibility and went through a large transition. And then school on top of that is a lot. So if you're feeling like you're the only one that's struggling with things, you're not. And just there, you can talk to your friends. There's also counselors available, but access that help because I promise you, you'll feel better once you've talked it through. Yeah. And this one goes with that first one where we were talking about, you know, a lot of people are probably going through it, but people are too afraid to admit to it. So if you can be that one person that asks the stupid question in class that everyone's really wondering, or that says, you know, I know you just repeated it, but I still don't understand. And I need you to go slower everyone is going to be so thankful for you. Even if they want to admit it, they're going to say, thank God that girl asked because I was way too afraid to admit that I actually am not, you know, as put together as I may seem. Yeah, completely agree. Um, number three is short and sweet. Don't be a douche. And what we mean by that is that you should share your knowledge that you have and all the insider information that other people might be craving. So share your notes, your tips, your secret information you got from your professors, everything like that everyone's going to want to know. And you really don't benefit from keeping that to yourself. It's an asset to know all these things and everyone else is going to appreciate having it. You'd want the same done to you. So make sure you are sharing your knowledge, sharing your value and letting everyone else reap in it. Yeah, the only thing that I will add to that is just make sure that you're also following like plagiarisms and academic conduct like outlines because there is a very fine line and you don't want to be caught up with that, um, which is very, very serious. So sharing your notes and creating study groups and like actively engaging with your peers is definitely a green light, but um, sharing quiz answers and um, test questions, definitely red light. <laughs> Not quite the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, number four is talk to your profs and TAs. Um, that's what they get paid for. That's why they're there. Office hours can be very, very useful and like actually just going to office hours and talking with the prof on M1 will get you brownie points. Um, and they're the ones who are marking your work. So I always shy away from doing this, but the times that I have gone and I shy away because I get busy and I'm like, oh, I'll do it eventually. And then in the course ends and I never did it. And I missed an opportunity, but the times that I have gone, um, the TA now knows my name when they look at papers and they don't see that many people. And from like the time that I didn't go to the time that I went, did go, my marks increased by like 10, 15%. So it definitely works. <laughs> yeah, different from high school, it's really hard to form strong bonds with your professors because if you think about it, they're typically looking out at a lecture hall of hundreds of people and your one face gets lost in the crowd. So getting that one-on-one -on -one time really provides you an advantage and it's also a great networking opportunity. I often find I formed really great connections and accessed really great opportunities because I formed strong connections with my professors and they remembered me when they thought of something that I could be really useful for. 
yeah just to add on to that too it's not like high school where you talk to your profs after class and they don't know your names you're not just a number on a sheet people say that this is a huge misconception they're like when you're in university you're just a number on a sheet that's that's not true doesn't there have is, to be it yeah. does not have to be and profs do care and they want to care the majority of them um but if you by the time you graduate if a prof recognizes you by face or name, like even if two of them can recognize you, you were successful in building those relationships. You're not going to make a relationship with every prof that you have. If you did, kudos to you. Um, but they're very busy people. They see a lot of people every day. So like take two profs that you really like and like email them, ask them questions, make a connection with them and you'll do pretty well. Uh, our next point is something that I think is really an insider tip because so many people are not aware of this. This is to use the resources at your disposal and by that we mean that there are so many things that you have access to as a student that you might not know, that your friends might not know, and that you really only have for a limited period of time. So make sure you're utilizing those, getting access to those, and by that we mean things like access to the libraries, to student discounts, tutoring services, essay help, gym memberships, all the above. So many student discount codes I find I never even think about and I've been going to these stores all the time and could be saving hundreds of dollars for this. So figure out what you have access to as a student and use it while you can. Yeah, even health insurance. A lot of schools will give health insurance. That's a huge one. When you graduate, if you don't have like a corporate position, that will not be there. And you will also not be allowed to be on your parents' insurance either. So um, definitely taking advantage of that one. Um, Mental health services. For sure. Yes, absolutely. So much out there. Love that. Um, number six is take courses that excite you. Not just the courses that other people say are easy or are bird courses. Chances are that you'll do better on the courses that you take that you actually like um, than the ones that are just going to be forgettable and you're like, oh, it'll be easy. I'm just going to get through it. Um, A, it's not going to add any value to your life. Um, B, courses like that tend to add more stress to you because you're like, I'm not going to pay attention to this course. And then you have deadlines and you're like, ah, oh my God, I thought this was going to be easy. Um, and see like why, if you have the opportunity to take electives, you're going to look back and be like, oh shoot, I should have taken this really cool course instead of anthropology that could be exciting to some people. Definitely was not to me. <laughs> oh, I'm so guilty of this. I definitely did this in my first couple years where people told me, oh, this course was so easy and I took it and I found it so difficult or mm -hmm. so frustrating because it's not what I wanted to be learning about. And if you want to be learning about your topic, things are going to come to you in seconds. You won't have a difficult time coming up with essay topics or answers to short answer questions on exams. But if it's something you're really straining for and you're just taking it because you think you should be, you are not going to have nearly as easy a time. Uh, number seven, the last one on our list for academics is to remember why you are studying in post-secondary in the first place. So the number of grades you get do matter sometimes, but the act of learning and expanding your areas of expertise should be the main goal. If you have this in your heart and know that truly you are there to expand who you are as a learner, as an individual, and grow that, rather than about you know just getting that piece of paper, yeah, the piece of paper is nice, but it's really not that great, you are gonna have much better time and you're gonna really see the benefit in all the effort that you're putting in. Yeah, and the other thing, and this kind of goes back into like where you're talking about grades and boosting is um, expect your grades to fall from high school even by 10%, which may be a little bit drastic, but you're not there for the grades. They're not going to serve you. No one's going to ask you when you're done, like, what was your grades in first year economics? No one cares. Mm -hmm. Literally no one cares because they also almost failed, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Promise you. So 
that goes back this kind of like brings it all together like study what you like study to learn and to have good experiences and expand your thinking but don't study to get 90s because chances are it's not really going to happen our next category is about getting involved in your campus in your society and socializing well in college so we know that it's scary but make it your goal to get involved with at least one on-campus activity this could literally be intramurals like joining an intramural volleyball school uh, team or going through and joining a club or even just when your residence has events attending the meetings and meeting people in your residence it can be so simple it's great if you can get onto like an executive council i know i did that in my first year in the business school and that gave me so many upper year student friends who like i was able to ask for advice in courses and like really connected me with other people on campus so take the opportunity to get involved um, even though it's scary to put yourself out there number two is to give yourself permission to take a night or two off from studying and go out and enjoy yourself you can and will still pass if you give your mind a break and it's been proven that taking time off and coming back to studying with a fresh mind is going to make you absorb more than if you just cram every night till you are dead <laughs> absolutely um number three is to also know that it's okay to stay home alone sometimes you do not have to party every day every night if your friends are going out you do not need to go giving yourself time and giving yourself a night off can literally mean like doing a face mask and sitting in bed and binge watching your favorite netflix show that's okay too but um you don't need to party every day that's not what school is about i promise you there will always be another party. There will always be another opportunity. If you miss one or two here and there, you will be okay. I know the FOMO is hard, but you mm -hmm. will get through it and you will thank yourself for giving yourself that time to rest and rejuvenate. Speaking of which, later this season, we're going to be diving into like all things partying in college. So stay tuned for that one. Number four on our list is to set rules for your friends when going out. This means that you're going to decide ahead of time, before you go, before you do whatever you do, where you're going to meet if you lose each other, what time you all plan to leave by, what to do if one friend doesn't get in wherever you're going, etc. Look out for each other and use the buddy system. Going out can be a really scary thing if it's your first time and you don't know where you are, you don't know the environment, you don't know the protocols. So having a plan in place makes it more enjoyable for everyone because there's less stress, less to worry about. It's a really good one. Um, number five is don't pressure yourself to find your people on day one. Um, your community at school will come in time and friends can be made in the most unexpected circumstances. And honestly, your friends ebb and flow throughout the four years because everyone's transitioning. Everyone's going through self-discovery phases. We are literally the most unstable least reliable people on the entire earth at this time we have no roots we have no responsibilities other than feed yourself do your laundry get to class like that's a pretty the world will not end if we do not show up type of idea so i know even in my fourth year i've made friendships that have been stronger than any other friendships that i've made so you don't need to find your people on day one if you feel lonely that's okay 90 percent of people on campus do too um, but getting involved and putting yourself out there and just being open to meeting different types of people will make it so much better. I think one of the reasons why I was so determined to do this episode this early in the season was because I had a conversation with a friend of mine who had just gone into her first year of college 
and she was struggling to find her people and she said to me something along the lines of, I think I'm failing at college. And it wasn't because of the academics, it wasn't because of you know what she bought for her dorm room, it was because she hadn't found her people yet and she was putting too much pressure on her, on herself to find those people that were gonna be her forever friends. So the second that you let yourself re relax and use the tips that we gave you in that making friends episode about finding temp friends or just you know trusting the process and 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 saying hi to people when you like their outfit on the street anything like that it's going to be so much easier you also don't fail if you don't find your forever friends in college a hundred percent like get through it get your degree get out your forever friends like jenna's my forever friend i met her in high school um that other friend that i was talking about earlier she's my forever friend i've known her since i was five years old like just because you don't make forever friends in university does not mean that you didn't do it right i think some people have like pressures from their family friends and it's like their parents all go out with their university friends and like whatever and i'm like it's okay like mm -hmm. just like be happy meet nice people they don't need to be your best friends it's not high school you don't need to do everything with the same group of people every single day. You can be independent. Be an alpha female. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one that we wanna talk about is living situations. Um, and like I said earlier, we are the most unstable, unreliable people. And I moved in every single year of my college experience. So um, yeah, let's get into this one. Living on your own can be incredibly scary. It can also be really exciting because it's, yeah, the first time that you really do have some autonomy over what, what your living space looks like, how you choose to live, when you choose to go to bed, that's all on you. So it's very exciting, a bit overwhelming, but it's definitely something that is unique to university and college because for the first time in your life, you are the one in control. So our first point in this category is that if you can try to live in a dorm, this is such an important growth experience and it really does teach you those fundamentals to gaining independence, having full responsibility, dealing with things like home maintenance, paying rent, cooking for yourself, all the different adulting things. But you get to do it with a bit of training wheels on because you have some, uh, you know, choice in the matter, but not as much as if you were truly living in your own apartment or your own home somewhere. So it really is a beginner stage to learning all those important things without the dire consequences of, if I don't you know, do this, the lights won't turn on the next morning. Absolutely, and that's my biggest advice. Like, If you live close to your school, that's fantastic. If you have the means and are able to live in residence or in a dorm for first year, that's my biggest advice. You can live with your parents afterwards and move back home, that's fine. But your first year of school is very integral and getting it'll help you just get more integrated into the culture of your campus or of your school um, and meet people who are studying things similar to you or not. Um, but that's my biggest advice for anyone when they're like, oh, I just wanna save money, I'm gonna live at home, I'm like, that's going to be great, but why don't you save money in second, third, and fourth year instead? Because mm -hmm. you can never go back to residence. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's an unforgettable experience, and it is so valuable. And we both were able to do it, which we're so grateful for, and I would not change it for the world. So if you can, yeah. do it, do it, do it, do it. Take this as the one thing to take away. Go live in res. But also, don't get me wrong, because it is gross, and you do get sick of it. I'm not trying to be like, it's rainbows and unicorn, and it's yeah, sparkly no. and clean. No, it's gross, but like you'll always look back and be like, I'm, it was gross, but I'm glad I did it. It was a time. It was a time to yeah. remember. Never again will you be eating pasta on your a carpeted floor against cement walls and crying through midterms. It is something so memorable, and 
you only you if you know you know it's one of those like you only get it if you truly experienced yeah. it personal anecdote real quick my room didn't have corners oh it Do didn't i forgot this? it was like a hexagon it was a honeycomb <sighs> and i didn't have a corner like they were all none of them were like 90 degrees they were like all larger than 90 degrees so yeah never doing it again because apparently corners are really really important to me but i'm still so glad that i did it and can like look back on it so definitely not glamorizing it but it's so much fun and you'll be like yeah like i will always be grateful for corners now when people go off to college one of the things they always want to know when they're going off to live in a dorm is what the hell do i bring what is something mm. that you know you would not be able to live without and that you wish you knew before going off to whatever school however many miles away it is something that you could only get beforehand so my little list of things I'm so glad I knew to bring or things I ended up getting later and wished I had from the beginning included my own coffee maker because mm. Starbucks gets super expensive. Making your own coffee can be a really exciting part of a morning ritual. And it's a machine that you will love dearly and you will be so grateful for for those late night study parties. Yeah, I personally had a Keurig and it was the easiest thing ever because it was a single use coffee and it was right in my dorm room. Starbucks is expensive, but it's also far. And if you're just studying at home or in your dorm, it's really, really nice just to have it right there. But also, if you are one of the only people on your floor with a coffee maker, then other people come into your room and ask to use it. And like, yeah, it's kind of annoying because they're drinking your coffee, but they tend to buy their own and then you become like the coffee central. So it's kind of fun too to like make friends. Hate to go off on a tangent, but were you the kind of person that kept your door open or closed? So... And this is actually a really good topic for dorm living. In the first week, I tried to keep my door open as much as I could because it puts off the image that you're like open to people coming in and looking at your room and your decorations and you're happy to make friends. I was also in a single dorm, like I didn't have any roommates. So I was kind of concerned about making friends um, if I was so isolated. But my biggest advice, and I tell this to all my friends who are like, should I do double or single? I was like, get a single and just leave your door open because you can close it whenever you want. But if you have a double, you don't really have that control. So. Um, um, that's how I actually ended up making friends is I just left it open. Once we got further into the semester and I didn't really want to talk to everyone on my floor, I started closing it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I left it open for the beginning. Here was my trick. So my roommate and I, on the very first day of moving into our residence, we had gone out to the grocery store and picked up a pre-assembled cookie mix. And we went to our kitchen on our floor, made cookies, and then played it off like, oh my goodness, we made way more than we thought we were going to. We went door to door on our floor and handed out cookies. And for the rest of at least that first semester, everyone knew us as the girls that gave us cookies on the first day. So it was a really good way to connect with people and start conversations. And I learned so many things about, you know, where people were living, what they were studying. So anything you can do to just have a conversation starter, whether it's having a coffee, machine in your room or keeping your door open or baking cookies and being extra like I was, all those things help make it so much easier to connect. Okay, what else would you wanna bring with you to your dorm room? What was important? Um, Definitely velvet hangers. And I mm. actually didn't come with velvet hangers initially in first year. I had just like random, a random assortment of them. And I saw other people with them and immediately went out and got like a huge, it was like a pack of 50 for like nothing and replaced all of my hangers. A, my OCD was just super happy because all my hangers matched, but B, then your clothes don't fall off. And, um, 
uh closets in like residents are really really crappy so they get really messy so if you have velvet hangers they just keep everything on the hanger perfectly and now i swear by them and we'll never switch there is nothing worse than coming home after a late night putting something on a hanger oh. getting into bed and getting all comfy and then hearing boom <laughs> as it falls off the hanger onto your floor i hate that feeling yeah exactly so definitely velvet hangers that's also just like a life hack mm -hmm. This is something that I think Sophie also did way more than me and was probably way smarter for doing, but she equipped her room with healthy snacks. Yeah. And it is very easy when you are up late at late night studying or having people over to want to just, you know, bring out a bag of popcorn or chips and snack on that. But it really is not the best thing to do and it's not the smartest move. So having healthy snacks at your reach makes it so much easier for you to keep a good diet going throughout your throughout your college experience. Yeah, and then another thing that I brought and stress to everyone is your own mini fridge. Um, a definite must have, even just to have water in there, because when you're in a dorm, 90% of dorms don't have kitchens or even a sink in your room. Yeah, believe it or not. And then the washroom sinks can be like super narrow. You can't like clean things. So if you have your own mini fridge, you can store water, you can keep fruit and veg. I honestly made like a tiny little kitchen out of my fridge. Like I had my fridge and then I had like my plates, like one plate, one cup and my coffee maker right on top. So it was just like a little food center. So then I was able to have healthy snacks because a lot of them you have to refrigerate anyways. Um, also kept my drinks cool in general. So it was just a bonus. Um, and again, people use my fridge, so it was a win-win. <laughs> the last thing I think that's really important to bring is something that smells like home or that reminds you of home. It makes the transition so much easier. It reminds you of somewhere that you feel comfortable and feel loved. So for me, what I did was I made sure to buy the same laundry detergent as the one that my parents use at home so that all my clothes didn't smell so unfamiliar or I always had that same like comfort feeling of, oh, I know where I am. Mm-hmm. That's a really good one that I'll add to this one about being like home is, um, which is kind of different is just make sure that you decorate, like, don't just get there and leave it how it is. Like put your own spin on it, put a little bit of effort, even if it's just like getting some fairy lights. But one of the biggest things that I did that was super helpful was print out a bunch of pictures and put them onto my wall. And I know a lot of people do this, but, um, it reminds you of home and being living alone for the first time can be really, really isolating and lonely. So if you have pictures on your wall that remind you of home and people that you love, um, and when people come into your room, you can like talk about it and they're like, Oh, who's that? You're like, Oh, it's my dog. Um, it's a fun way just to like make it a little bit more homey. We could go on forever and ever and ever about yeah. all the things we are glad to bring, but we'll move on from this. And if you want to hear more, definitely hop into our DMs and we're happy to give you more insider tips on exactly what we packed. But the last thing on our category of living situations is that it's so important to set boundaries with your roommates early. So deciding if you're living with people in a house or in an apartment or anything like that, who is going to do what chore? What time of day needs to be the quiet time where people can do work? What's the protocol for bringing guests over? Everything that you would want to know eventually, don't wait and assume that you all live the same. Decide this before you go into the living situation so you know that you can all respect each other's boundaries before signing a lease. Roommate boundaries are very, very important and most roommate like conflicts happen because boundaries aren't clear. Um, so making sure that you do have that conversation. If your roommates aren't really open to having that conversation, um, just watch your personal boundaries with them as well because there could already be an issue there true that 
Okay, last category. This is a miscellaneous category of all those other things we didn't think would fit in anything above, but is still so, so, so important for you to know. Um, number one is that the freshman 15 is very, very real and very, very, very natural. Um, having your weight fluctuate in college happens all the time. And as long as you're monitoring it and making healthy choices, you're doing it right. This is something that I personally struggled a lot with and didn't really expect to happen to me. It took like a huge toll on my mental health um, and was kind of unpreventable because um, if you are experiencing this, what I will tell you is you're going through a huge transition. All of the food that you're eating is new. It's the first time that you have to care for yourself and if you're feeling uncomfortable with it know that it you're not going to feel like this forever your weight will like normalize once you've like gotten out of first year and you've gotten home and it's just like it's a very natural thing that happens it happens to everyone people are now saying the freshman 30 so just relax about it it does not mean anything you'll laugh about it later um but just know that it's it's the food and a disruption to your routine that's doing this Number two is that this time does not have to be the best time of your life. Not everyone loves college and that's okay. Sometimes it's something that you just have to get through and endure. And sometimes it's something that you can enjoy, but you know, be ready to move on from. So don't stress if it's not everything you ever dreamed it would be and let yourself have a break from putting so much pressure on yourself. Well said. Um, our last one is that there's no right way to do college. The right way to do college is the way that feels right to you and feels good to you. Create your own roadmap. Make some changes. Explore things that you like. It's one of the last times in your life where you can really explore different clubs and people and um, kind of like for free of charge because things got expensive once you graduate and your time becomes a lot more limited once you're working full time. So just enjoy what you're studying do what feels right go out when you want to stay in when you need to and you're gonna have an amazing time the my 20 somethings team has a brand new jewelry obsession we've been dying to share with you anna luisa is an affordable jewelry brand that produces high quality ethically sourced and environmentally friendly pieces their pieces are super affordable starting at 39 dollars each and we love their simplistic classy and versatile offerings from gold hoops and rings to dainty gem necklaces and armbands, there really is something for everyone. Using noble and recycled metals, as well as safe, nickel-free, and hypoallergenic materials, Anna Luisa works to provide stunning pieces you can always feel good about wearing. New jewelry collections are released every Friday, so you never run out of ideas for your wish list. They are currently running the biggest sale of the year. You can now get 60% off the second item you order by visiting www.shop.analuisa.com backslash my20somethings. That's 60% off your second item by visiting www.shop.analuisa.com slash my20somethings. Game segment. G-g-game segment. Game, game, game segment. Go, go, go game segment. Jenna loves the game segment. I love the game segments. Okay, grab your study notes because it's time to take a pop quiz. For today's game segment, we thought we'd test one another on how much we know about all things college, school, and get in that degree. Pencils up, let's begin. Okay, Sophie, your first question on our College 101 pop quiz is, 
What percentage of students complete a four-year program within four years? Hmm. I know it's probably low because first-year courses weed people out, but also chances are you're going to take a four-year program completed into like five or six years. Like that's pretty normal. So 50%? It's actually 41%, which is mind-blowing to me because everyone makes it seem like all these four-year programs are four years, but many, many people do not complete them within four years. Many people choose to take courses, you know, at a reduced rate or choose to take a year off entirely in the middle. So do not stress if you are not on track to complete your four-year program within four years. Chances are many people are doing the exact same thing as you, and whenever you finish is the right time for you. Interesting. See, I thought even 50 would be low, but yeah, like it's so unreasonable and so intensive to do it for everyone in four years. So 41%. Wow. Interesting. All right. Second question. The term for a female college graduate used by their alma mater school is? So I huh. know, I know that like the regular term is to be an alumni. I think that's what you're asking, but an alum, an, an alumnus is my guess that she's going to be an, an alum, an alumtress. Okay, it's actually an alumna. Oh, with like an A. With an A, which an is alumna. interesting because I feel like I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be like I'm an alumna. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an alumna. alumni. I'm alumni. I guess. I wonder is a yeah is alumni. Can you say alumni and still have it refer to females? Can it be like a gender neutral term? Well, I'm deciding that it can be. Okay. Because I did the exact same degree and everything than everyone else so why should my title be different i know the answer gender neutral what? term i believe is alumnus alumnus interesting i never knew that but i've also never seen this and i've always seen alumni yes so i think people are just kind of using it in general true that okay interesting okay question three hey sophie what is the difference between a lecture tutorial seminar and lab okay i know these Okay. This is what Sophie admitted she didn't know at the beginning. Yeah, no, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> okay, a lecture is like your prof is standing at the front of the class and they're just basically going through slides and like giving like the main overview of like what you're learning. So it's like not personalized. You're not really talking tutorial. I don't think I've ever done a tutorial, so I'm not entirely certain on that one. A seminar is um, generally your lectures can be split up into seminars. So you're grouped with like a smaller class of people. It's a little bit more like discussion based. You go through like exercises with a TA. It's not generally like professor led. And then a lab is like more for like experiments, which also can be done, fun fact, in the arts and in business when you're actually like studying or do, running an experiment, a control group, that kind of idea. Um, and it's more hands-on, but I don't know what a tutorial is. So I've taken tutorials before. Tutorials I find are more so referring to going through the information taught in lecture in smaller gatherings where you're able to digest mm -hmm. it more and, and discuss and analyze it deeper. So it's often that you'll have them following a lecture and you'll sit down with a TA and a couple other students and you'll just recap what was said and you know any questions you still have on it. So it's just further opportunity for you, you to probe deeper into the content. Interesting, is that different than a seminar? I think a seminar, I would describe it as being like the middle ground between like a workshop in a lab and also right. a lecture or a tutorial, okay. yes. So seminar has a little bit more of group work involved and yeah. you know either hands-on activity or that you are yeah asked to to complete something at the end of that 
when a tutorial may just be talking about the subject. Interesting. For those of you who are listening, um, this is a very common conversation that people have in different schools run these kind of things differently. Like even the hours that schools like Jenna, it baffles Jenna that we finish schools off of the hour or off of the half hour. Like we, we end classes at like 1150. Everything's done on the 50. So all of these schools are different. You don't have to worry so much. They'll there's really they're just linguistics and stupid verbiage. <laughs> I think also a lot of professors and TAs give you a lot of slack in your first year that you're still figuring it out. So if you don't know it by day one of your first day, no one is going to get mad at you. They're understanding that it's a transition. So you have some time to yeah. get it in your skin. Okay. One more question for you, Sophie. That Halloween party that we just went to was so awesome, but now it's 2 a.m. and you're walking home at night on your own. Dun, dun, dun. Any advice for how to get home safely? So much advice, but what happened to the buddy system? That's a great point. Why you clearly you abandoned. Why did go? My number one advice is try to prevent letting yourself getting into a situation where you're walking home alone at 2 a.m. Try. Not always easy. Try. Follow the buddy system. But if you are in this position, there are many resources that you can use. I mean, I would love to say call your mom. Mom probably won't be so thrilled to hear that you're walking alone at 2 a.m. Um, or be too thrilled to be woken up at 2 a.m. So there are campus services that you can call. I've never personally used one, but if you are in a situation where you're alone at 2 a.m., probably a really great opportunity to pick up that phone. Um, also, a lot of campuses will have um, like telephone poles where you press a button and they come to you at that location. Other idea, hop in an Uber, just get home, forget the charge, go home. Go home. No, truly Be safe. Don't. Utilizing those on-campus support services really are great. And I definitely have utilized those walk-home style programs where they pair you up with another student and it's nothing to be embarrassed about. Often those people really are getting paid for the night and they love to have conversations with you. So they pair you up with a student, they come meet you and you chat as you walk home. I guarantee you by the end of it, you'll forget that you even paid this person to hang out. Yeah, honestly, I remember them talking about this when I toured my campus and they were like, please use them. They're like, these people literally sit in a room and wait for calls and they never get calls and they're so bored. My so, sister did it. She was really? uh, someone who did it and she loved it. She thought it was the most fun way to meet people. So again, another way to get involved. It's a really great thing that a lot of people don't even know exist. Before we move on from this, and we didn't say this, there are so many student jobs on campus that pay really, really well because like schools have tons of money. Yeah. So look into like on-campus career. I wor I've worked at the bookstore. I've worked at, uh, at like the swag shop. I've worked at the athletic center. There's so much fun and you meet students while you're at it. So anyways, that's my last piece of advice there. <laughs> Number five is a question for both of us to answer. So this question is, if we could go back and do it all again from the beginning, what would we change? There's so much that I change, but nothing that I regret. Well, that's a thing. I was going to say, I don't think I would change anything because it got me to where I am now. And yeah, like it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, as you said. There were moments that I absolutely wanted to drop out and moments that I really thought, you know, I made the wrong decision. But regardless, it was all vital for getting me here. Yeah. I, I mean, again, wisdom and like hindsight is a very powerful thing. Um, I don't know. There's things that I would definitely change. I don't know if I can go through them all, but I don't regret any of my experiences um, or like am desperate to go back because it all worked out well and it's shaped me into this person and allowed me to meet the people that I'm with now. And that's pretty cool. 
Okay, I've got one though. Mm -hmm. If you can, try to give yourself a motherfucking break. And what I mean by that is give yourself the opportunity to half-ass an assignment every now and then or, you know, turn in a draft rather than your 10,000 edit to something or even just say, you know what, like I know I could do a really intense topic for this, but I I deserve to, to just coast through this because there will be so many opportunities for you to go above and beyond in college and so many opportunities for you to work yourself so far that you really are just at the brink of burnout, if not experiencing a burnout. So take the opportunity to say, I'm going to just do my best and nothing beyond it. Mm-hmm. If some things, it's not like high school, things don't get turned in sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes you're like, this is worth 0.6% of my grade. It's not happening tonight. Mm-hmm. And you just have to let it go. So that's a great one is make sure that you're giving yourself lots of great breaks and love and care um, because it's not that serious. College is hard and a lot of people are their toughest critic during it. So make sure that you are being kind to yourself. You are rewarding yourself for how hard you are working, how much time and energy you are putting towards your education and giving yourself a break every now and then. Drop the mic. Boom. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of this episode. To all the students currently applying for college, we know you can do it. And I promise it's not as daunting as it may seem to the students who are currently in college, keep chugging along and enjoy every moment because it will be over before you know it. We want to remind you all that growing up and experiencing independence can be scary, but it also is a super liberating thing. Remember to be kind to yourself and make sure you call your mom every now and then because she misses you, okay? But don't call her every day like I do. (laughs) (laughs) Or or you can, I do too. Um, We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you took something useful away from it. Um, If you did, please subscribe to uh, the podcast and leave us a review. It helps us out so much when you guys even just click that five stars on Apple Podcasts or leave us a sweet little message. Um, We really appreciate it. And truly, Jenna and I like hop on FaceTime and do a happy dance whenever we get a review. So please, please, if you enjoyed it, leave us a review. We will be endlessly grateful for you. Um, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the places, and check out our brand new beautiful website at www.my20somethingspodcast.com. We love you all so dearly and believe that you will do great things this week. We are sending you endless love, good vibes, and steady motivation. Bye, guys. <laughs>